From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. My name's Tony Bruski, Jenny Bruski. Off for the evening. She will be returning again tomorrow evening to the broadcast. So if uh, you're wondering, when will she be back? Uh, tomorrow. So there you go. That answers that question. Sound good? Good. Hey, uh, if you've not subscribed yet and you're a new listener, what are you waiting for? Press subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, pressing subscribe. Make sure that you get every single episode of our show sent directly to you. You don't have to sit there and search it every time you're trying to find it. Uh, It helps us out uh, climbing those rankings, and it helps you out by getting the latest show directly to you right away. If you've been listening to the show for a while now and you enjoy the show uh, and you'd like the show to continue, uh, then we ask for your support to help us do just that. And We have the EPP program. That's the extra podcast person uh, program, if you will. Uh, it's an extra episode that we send out every single week to the folks who uh, are helping to financially support the show. It's $5 a month, or you can do 10 or you can do 15 It's completely up to you. Um, everybody gets the same thing, though. It's just whatever you feel the show is worth to you. And we send you an extra podcast every single week as a thank you for helping to keep our show on the air and uh, putting the wind in our sails and uh, helping us financially support this beast that has become Real Ghost Stories Online. So uh, thank you if you already are an EPP. Uh, If you are not, please consider becoming one. That uh, does help us out quite a bit to keep this thing uh, going. Uh, On today's episode, a little bit of follow-up from uh, our friend uh, who had the paranormal experience over there, uh, I believe in Heathrow Airport. I believe it's a follow-up from that gentleman. We'll talk uh, about that in just a few minutes. Uh, Also, of course, your calls, your emails, your stories. We got them for you here at Real Ghost Stories Online. In fact, let's go right into that follow-up. Hello again. I hope you and your family are well. You read my story about the hangar, and you were asking about whether it was a ghost story and whether I was sensitive or not. It's weird. I have been to... Too many supposedly haunted places and have felt absolutely nothing, but I have been in the places that I have known nothing about and felt there was something there. I have to say, I've never really seen anything. I've been in a room and the smell becomes apparent that reminds me of something or someone. And I also have had some extremely weird things happen in our house. TV and stereo turning on by themselves. Stereo's volume, when it turned on by itself, was much higher than we'd ever have it. One other occasion, we were having a conservatory built. This was about 11 years ago, and it had been built, uh, but we had not laid the floor or decorated. We had a concrete floor. My daughter had a toy slot machine, which used to play music and lights, and it would flash. I was reading emails in my hallway one night, and all of a sudden, I heard this toy start playing music in the conservatory. I thought my daughter had come down and gone through the living room to play with this toy, and I went out to the conservatory, and this toy was in the middle of the floor playing by itself. I turned the toy off, came into the locked room, and uh, locked the door of the conservatory. I went back to reading my emails. After a while, I went back into the kitchen, and the door was open again. Since then, there have been a few times when we've come down in the morning and the door has been open. We're sure we had locked it the night before. Strange thing is, before we had the conservatory built, the door had never been found open. Now we've lived in this house for nearly 18 years. I never feel uncomfortable and never feel there is anything in the house. But as I've just told you, unexplainable things have happened. I'll tell you, we have visited an alleged haunted house in southern Ireland called Loftus Hall. 
and I can honestly say the reportedly haunted room was much colder than anywhere else in the house. One more thing. Here we go again. When I was a teenager, my mom and some of my friends did a Ouija session. One of my friend's mother had committed suicide, and he never talked about it. In fact, I didn't recall him ever mentioning it. One of the questions that was asked was what his mother's name was, and the Ouija spelled out her name. My friend went pale, and at that point, we stopped. We never did Ouija again. I've been playing with your your podcast uh, to my 14-year-old daughter, and she's well aware of the dangers of Ouija. Thank you for your time and podcasts. You are welcome. Thank you for writing in and being part of Ouija Awareness Month and letting your 14-year-old daughter know about the dangers of the Ouija board. <laughs> we, we really do appreciate that and appreciate your story. Um, that's interesting. You guys always have the best names for things over, uh, over the cross the pond there. You have rooms called the conservatory. It's like Clue. <laughs> you know, It's much more elegant here. It's like, we got a den... We got TV room. We got the video game room. You know, over there, it's much more, you know, proper and elegant. And I wish there was a touch more of that here in the States. I really, really do. You know, it's like when you go on an airplane and fly. Everybody is so, you know, just you can tell where they're from as far as um, what they're wearing to be on the airplane. It seems a lot of people from the States, they're decked out in their sweats and T-shirts that have, you know... That probably you shouldn't have be wearing around your home more or less in public. Um, and there's just absolutely no class to it anymore. And a lot of European folks, when I see them on planes, and if you go to the, the international concourse, if you're in a large airport, there's a giant difference in apparel. And it's not always necessarily having anything to do with income level either. I mean, I, you know, I guess that would be the argument that people would be making, but, uh, it, it really isn't. I, I've talked to several folks and just making small talk and some very well-to-do folks just dressing like slobs. I wish there was that step up a little bit. People used to dress up to get on airplanes. You know, they, they actually used to try and look presentable, beyond presentable, like suit and dresses, what it used to be. Now, maybe that's a bit much, but, you know, at least business casual. Can we at least go to that? Can, can we ask that that be the appropriate dress for airline travel? <laughs> Or is that is that too much? Do we have to lower the the bar to? Well, you have to look slightly messier than Beavis and Butthead, and then uh, then you're right on track. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is a phone number to call in to real ghost stories online. We'd love to hear your story. Hi. All right, Tony and Jay, and everybody out there in uh, in Weirdsville. <laughs> um. So, my buddy, his name. Was Travis, but we called him T-Bone. He was a big, big, uh, big black guy, you know. Uh, he moved in next door to me when I was like 16, you know, me and him hung out. He was like 10 years, maybe 15 years older than me. But, you know, he was like a kid at heart. And uh, we would just hang out and play, play Xbox or PlayStation or whatever, you know, play football. And, um, he suddenly died uh, of like a of like a massive heart attack. You know, he wasn't even forty. You know, devastating. I know, but uh, I was must have been a couple months later after the funeral and everything, and uh, I was walking by one of the neighbors, and uh, he was like, "Man." 
just seen T-Bone the other day, man. I seen him at at, uh, at Walmart. I was like, you, you did? You know, he didn't know that T-Bone had died, right? And he said, yeah. And he, he said he was just in there, you know, walking around, just killing time, you know, looking at, looking at stuff. And he had said he was good and fine and everything. And after he finished his story, you know, because he really, because he, me and, the, me and the neighbor guy, we really didn't have much in common except for Tebow. And and so after he was done with his story, uh, I told him, I was like, well, dude, Tebow died like four or five months ago. He's like, he turned white. Like, I never seen a Mexican dude turn white, like pale white. He was pasty white after I told him that. And he, he was like, you're messing with me. You're messing with me. I'm like, no, dude. Like, people died a, a while ago, bro. And, and he, he said, no, I just seen him like two weeks ago. And, and, I, and I was like, well, that's comforting to me. I told him, I said, that's comforting to me because his wife worked at, at, at that Walmart that he was supposedly at. You know, so that he must have just been walking around looking for his wife, you know, seeing if she was on shift. And, uh, yeah, that, that to me, seeing that he didn't know that T-Bone was dead, maybe he was able to see the physical T-Bone, you know? And, uh, didn't know... Maybe nobody else saw T-Bone but him. Maybe T-Bone just appeared to him because, you know, uh, seeing is believing, right? And, and and if you don't, if you don't know that somebody's dead, you you believe they're still alive. And so T-Bone was probably able to manifest himself. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I don't know how physics really works, but um, yeah. So thanks, guys, for the show. Uh, I have. A I have a couple more, but not, nothing, nothing else like that. Really cool. All right. Well, bye. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. That is pretty messed up, to say the least. And uh, don't worry for not knowing how all of this works, quote unquote. None of us do. That's that's what this show is all about. It's all about sharing the experiences that we have and uh, trying to connect the dots. And in more cases than not, we just end up with more questions than we do answers so i don't know if your friend would have been the only one seeing t-bone or if other folks would have seen him too that's interesting did your friend did he have a conversation with him i kind of got that just from the the call and, and from what you were saying but you know it'd be interesting to hear a little bit more about that conversation if they talked you know what t-bone what t-bone said he had had been up to lately you know if your friend had asked you know, if it was just the, hey, no, not much, as people say when they're alive. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number to share your real ghost stories with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Emily writes in, hey, guys, thanks for taking the time to look at or read my story. Love your show. It helps me get through my workday. I'm a subscriber to your podcast and your page on Facebook. Took me a while to get up the guts to tell you the following story because nothing like this has ever really happened to me. And I feel silly when I tell people. It's kind of long and I apologize. I don't know how much you know about Western Massachusetts, but some parts can be really isolated. 
When I used to live there, my friends and I used to love going out and exploring the old dirt roads in these areas. About four years ago, my friend and I decided to get lost in the woods one cold November night when we randomly found a dirt road, road called Windingo Road. Although it was starting to get dark, we decided to go ahead and see how far we could get. But a mile or so down the road, we came across a set of abandoned structures. There was a barn, a house, a large, long building to our left, and another barn out to our right. The building looks very desolate and creepy against the backdrop of bare trees and dead leaves on the ground. I felt as though the trees were going to reach out and grab me, suck me into the brown and gray void of the thick forest. My friend and I decided to get out of the truck and explore a little since we had about 15 minutes left of daylight. In the house to the left was a bunch of graffiti and the floor had caved in right into the cellar. It wasn't very safe, so we decided to take a quick look at the longer structure. Inside this one, we found rows of crumbling shower stalls. On the bottom floor, and with a quick peek upstairs, we found old rusted bed frames and curling wallpaper that looked like something out of the 70s. It appeared to be an old campsite. We'd hardly felt strongly that we were being watched, and we were really getting creeped out. And it also started to snow, and we took that as an omen and made our way back to the truck. We continued on with our journey, but curiosity got the cat, and a few, years down, a few yards down the road, we found an old cemetery. I'm not losing you guys at this point. I'm not making this up, and... We'll add a link to some information. I'm going to finish with the story. We got out of the truck again and decided to take a look at these graves. They were all very old. Nothing younger than the 1820s. So that's pretty old. Some of them weren't even legible. At this point... We had our fair share of exploring for the day and decided to get the heck out of Dodge, so we continued on at this point. It was dark and the snow was really coming down. I couldn't see because it was so thick, so I went to go take my high beams off and put my low beams on, but my high beams would not turn off. Meanwhile, my friend was complaining because she couldn't get the music to play. We had a radio adapter transmitter that hooked up to a cigar jack and connected to the phone, playing our music from the MP3 player. Of course, it might not have the best signal in the boonies, but it had worked thus far. Things started to get really weird when we would go change the radio station in my truck's console. It was stuck on a fuzzy opera station. The forward and back buttons above the AC controls would also not work. As if we didn't feel threatened enough, the four-wheel drive wasn't turning off. Believe it or not, it's not always the best thing to use your, uh, this in slippery conditions. And we were sliding all over the place. In the truck, I have to simply press a button and it switches on. Everything was having an issue with seemed to be electrical. Freaked out, we debunked everything that was going on at that moment as an electrical issue. Okay. I could see that being a logical thought at that point, because it it does seem to be fairly electrical. Freaked out, we started to notice fresh boot prints on the ground headed away from the area we had just come from. To me, it made no sense because there was barely anyone living out that way. One house at the beginning of the road, the snow had literally just started, and who would walk in the middle of the woods at night in the middle of nowhere? Well, you guys, to, to answer that question, you guys are. We finally reached the end of the road and found pavement. And guess what? 
everything started to work again. The four-wheel drive was turning off, the high beams turned off, and we were able to change the radio station. We were so frightened that we just turned the music off and sat in silence until we got home. Though it has its fair share of issues, my truck has never shorted out like it did that night. We actually went back to show one of our other friends, and she took a picture of the front of the house, and it looks like there's a woman or girl standing next to the tree that's by the barn on the left side of the road. I'll attach it if I can. Everyone has a different story about Camp Windingo, historically speaking. As far as research goes, it's hard to tell for sure if anything bad has happened there. It just feels like it. There are too many different stories about Camp Wendingo. Some of them say that the camp counselor went crazy, killed six girls. Others say a woman hung herself. Some say a girl who lived at the house drowned in a pond that lies beyond the graveyard. I don't know why I saw those boot prints, but a lot of people claim to see large male apparitions on the site. Particularly one who appears to be wearing overalls and has a farmer's hat. There are many explanations as there are stories, theories, and also claims that information was lost or covered up. Bottom line, I had no idea this place existed when these things happened to me. So after four years of trying to figure it out, I just chose to believe that there is something there, some sort of presence. Underneath the fear I felt when I visited this place, there was a sense of sadness, loss, and anger. Anyway, that's my story. Thank you very much, Tony and Jenny, for taking the time to read it. And then uh, she gives us a link to a story about Camp Windingo. I always love the uh, the names of uh, <laughs> camps. They're always so bizarre. And you're like, why the hell would you name a camp that? You know, especially from a marketing standpoint. Like, why? Is this really going to attract children? Uh, you know, or make them, let's go to Camp Windingo. Uh, it's, it just sounds kind of bizarre and creepy. Camp Windingo, kids, come along. Um, there's some creepy stuff here. Watching, uh, let's see, I think this is a, there's a video here. Um, some photos. It's an abandoned campsite that looks, you know, pretty creepy. If you Google it, you'll find, uh, you'll find quite a bit on it. Sounds like a hot spot. So thank you for calling in, sharing that story with us. We do greatly appreciate that. The phone number to call in with your real ghost story is 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. We would love to hear it. Uh, calling in the ghost stories is really the fast track uh, to getting a, uh, a story on the air. So if you're wanting it to uh, hit the air before Halloween, please do call into the show. We're trying to go through the letters um, really you know, as efficiently as possible. We have a lot of them. Uh, but as you can tell, we are trying to get through them uh, more efficiently than we had for a while. We're trying to, to balance out the calls and the, the letters a little bit better. Um, another quick letter here. Uh, I love the show. I have some food for thought. In an earlier episode, you were talking about if everyone became a ghost. I was watching the HBO show True Blood, and they brought up a good point. Maybe not everyone wants to talk or communicate with sensitive people. Maybe some people just want to stay dead. That's all I have when I have some more time in my caller writing with a ghost story. Not mine personally, but it happened to my dad and aunt. Thanks, love the show. That's interesting. You know, I, I could really see that. There's a lot of folks who in life don't enjoy communicating with people, so when they finally get the opportunity to be dead, maybe they're like, thank goodness I don't have to talk to you anymore. I don't have to communicate. I'm over here. I'm in peace. I'm just going to watch you all be idiots. <laughs> you know? Not that I think that way or anything. Actually, I do. I mean, it's people watching is one thing, but uh, I suppose being a ghost could be the ultimate people watching. 
But I think if I were a ghost, I would really get a kick out of screwing with people. I wouldn't do anything mo- like malevolent or, or evil, or I wouldn't try and scare you know kids too much unless they were like my grandkids. But I wouldn't like scar them. It would be like innocent, you know. Why is the the matchbox car moving on its own? You know, just things like that. You know, I wouldn't be like ooh, you know, devils. You know, it would just be very. I'm going to have grandkids listening to this episode after I'm dead someday. And they're going to be like, oh, see, Grandpa said he was going to do it. You're right. I did. (laughs) 855-853-4802. That is our phone number. Let's go to another ghost story. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, guys. This is uh, Jay from Missouri. I just, I love the show, and I wanted to call in and tell you guys my uh, ghost story that actually happened on my honeymoon. Uh, My wife and I, we uh, decided to stay at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which has a really dark history. It was like a cancer hospital where this guy was not a real doctor. He was accepting patients, taking their money, but he wasn't actually doing anything to them. They were just dying, and he would burn the bodies at night in the town. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff, a lot of weird stuff going on in that in this place that my wife and I knew about ahead of time, but we thought, well, we'll go there. Nothing's going to happen to us. You know, not a big deal. So uh, we booked our stay. We booked our stay at this place. First night, absolutely nothing happens. So no, no big deal. Second night, uh, I'm laying in bed and. In the middle of the night, I just sat straight up, and I never ever do that. So it was really weird. It was really weird for me to be doing that anyway. And I looked down at the foot of the bed, and I just see a black figure that uh, turns and walks the width of the bed and just disappears. Uh, Since uh, so, I get up. I'm a little freaked out. I get up. I go. We had a suite. So we had a second room. I went and I checked the suite. I checked the bathroom, looked around the bedroom, the bedroom area, nothing there. So I laid back down, went back to sleep. Day, uh, the third day, uh, this happened. This next thing happened during the day. We were sitting around in the room, and uh, we had a there was a deck in the and uh, the other room of the suite that had these really old like fr- I got French doors, I guess. I we. Really, when we went out onto the, the balcony, we had a hard time opening up the doors. And I was, I'm was i a big dude, and it took, it took me a lot of effort to just get these doors open. Well, we're there the third day. We're sitting around, and all of a sudden, the doors just burst open with the, a really loud crack. Doors burst open. We go. There's no wind. It, it wasn't a very windy day, we, and these doors just bust, busted open. We're like, wow, that's weird. So then I tell my wife what happened the night before. We both of us are like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of weird. So the third night, I go out to go get some ice from, uh, for our little ice bucket. I open the door to find the ghost tour that they give uh, at the hotel standing right outside our room. So <laughs> we decided the next night we were definitely going on the ghost tour to see what was up with our room. So nothing happened the third night. Fourth night, we go on the we go on the ghost tour. Discover that somebody in our that in our room where our room was, somebody had who was building the building 
fell through our room and died in the room below, and sometimes he's seen in that in the room just above his death. And the, on the balcony, apparently this building was also like a girl's dormitory at one time, and a young a young woman and her boyfriend got up, were, got into a fight on the balcony, and the girl went over the edge and fell to her death. And she's off and sometimes seen on the balcony. So that explained the balcony doors bursting open a little bit. But anyway, that was our uh, that was our honeymoon experience. Like I said, I love the show, um, and keep it up. Love it, guys. Thanks. Bye. Wow, would ghosts ruin your honeymoon if paranormal activity started occurring in your suite? Wow. You know, it's funny, because we were talking about this on an episode the other night when Jenny was in here, and I think I brought something up, like, if we were in, uh, it was a Queen Mary we were talking about, and uh, I said, if we, if we stayed there and, you know, uh, something paranormal happened, would, would we stay? And said, no, we'd leave right away. I kind of think I'd want to stay uh, a little bit. I actually have a good uh, a good friend of mine who uh, who got married on the ship as well. I don't believe anything paranormal happened to them. I know they stayed there that night, but I never heard of any sort of ghostly activity happening. But, uh, haunted honeymoon. I suppose if you're really into it, it'd be kind of romantic, wouldn't it? Would it make you get you closer? <laughs> Although hopefully on your honeymoon, you don't necessarily need to have something make you want to get close to your significant other. Maybe like on your 20th anniversary or something, you need a ghost or something to make you get close. But uh, hopefully on that first one, it's not like uh, there's no prodding uh, required. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. We would love to to hear them. Of course, you can write in as well at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please press the subscribe button if you've not done so yet. That helps us grow and it helps you get every single episode delivered directly to you as they come out. Uh, Here's another letter. Uh, I've always seen a silhouette in my boyfriend's house. Not a shadow. I see it halfway up the basement stairs that lead into the kitchen. I usually catch it with the corner of my eye and it gives me the sensation that it's on its way up I don't get a bad vibe from it but it unnerves me at times and I just shut the door when I'm alone there last year I was visiting my boyfriend and it was around the 4th of July and because of the date we had been working extra shifts at night and warned me he would be home around 2am at the earliest and uh, not to wait up he had a dog an American dingo like a Carolina dog who, when I'm there, is my shadow, mostly because I'm the food dispenser. Anyway, I waited up for as long as I could, watching something on TV, and uh, when the clock read a little after midnight, I went to bed. A Mr. Doggy followed me into the bedroom. I decided I was going to rest a bit, but not actually sleep so I could be awake when my boyfriend got home. I was on his side of the bed in the full-length mirror on the floor, when slightly closed reflects the hallway. I fell asleep because I woke to the sound of the door opening and footsteps. For some reason, I didn't get up, but waited with my back to the door for who I thought was my boyfriend entering the room. I could feel Mr. Doggy's tail thumping against my bed. He was lying right next to it, and felt a weight sit on the mattress behind me. And then I felt two pats on my bottom. The weight lifted and turned over. The dog was happy and wagging his tail, but the mirror didn't reflect anyone nor any lights. I got up and the doggy followed me. The house was dark and empty. 
I looked out in the front window and his car wasn't there. I went back to bed about half an hour later, give or take a few minutes, I hear the front door trying to be open and pushing, turning the knob. The doggy's already up and heading out the door and I get up and I turn the light on and the noise stops. We go back to the bedroom again. A few minutes later, it happens again. To make a long story short, it happened a total of three times. And the last time, I actually called out the doggy by its name, and we went back to bed. Nothing happened after that. My boyfriend came home around 4 a.m. and asked why I was awake. I told him the whole story. And he mentioned that a couple years ago, his house had been broken into around the same date. So that would explain the front door, burglars. And the presence, my boyfriend had a best friend since he was a child. They were very close until his friend died about 10 years ago. His friend had never been over to the house, and they were partying in the basement, and they ran out of soda. The friend decided to go up to the gas station to get soda for the drinks, and didn't come back, and even left his dog at the house. Next morning, the friend's wife calls and tells that the boyfriend that the friend had died. He was either run over by a semi or he ran a light and the semi ran over him. The curious thing was that my friend has a habit of patting females' bottoms. I understood that the silhouette I saw on the staircase might have been his friend and that he came to wake me up knowing that there was danger coming to the house. As for another note, three months later, my boyfriend was asleep and he heard the same noise at the front door. It took him a while to wake up. When he did, he went out to the front door with a baseball bat and sure enough, a man finally pushed his way into the house and got the wind knocked out of him. I have an ongoing story about the house. We're moving into a few blocks away from this one, but I'll write that one in later. Thanks for the opportunity to share. and I love the show. Miriam. Miriam, thank you for the ghost story. That's interesting where you have the best friend of the boyfriend warning you about burglars coming into the house by grabbing your ass. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's very blunt. But uh, that's kind of what happened. I suppose that's uh, a way to get attention and to make you go, oh, there's something going on here. But uh, I guess a good, uh, good, good spirit nonetheless letting you know, even if he did get to cop a feel. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is our phone number to call in and share your real ghost stories with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Tony and Jen. I, uh, right after high school, my mom passed away. Um, actually, two weeks after I graduated high school, my mom passed away. And my mom, as I mentioned before, was not a very nice person. And so... Um, I mean, she did some, some things that, that were just horrifying sometimes. And um, I just got this feeling after she died that, it, that she was just a malevolent presence, like she was, not, not anything else around, but it was like her presence was left behind. And um, I would be driving my, I had an S10 at the time, Chevrolet S10, and you know, a little two-seater, uh, you know, a little two-seater truck. And um, I could feel an evil presence next to me. I could feel something staring at me. I could feel, you know, things. And, and I could actually, sometimes it felt like the steering wheel was getting jerked out of my hand or it was about to get jerked out of my hand, but it just didn't happen. Um, also during that time, I, I had a crush on a guy that was really, really bad for me and was always really upset. And... Uh, I was standing in front of, I had this huge mirror, this huge mirror, and I was putting, it was a, it's probably about a four foot tall mirror, um, 
and about three feet across. And I was standing in front of it, and I was putting makeup on, but I was upset because I was thinking about how much she had made me so angry that day. And um, I heard this loud crack noise, and I looked up at the mirror, and I watched this huge crack form on the mirror, and it cracked all the way down the mirror. And I sit there, and I'm thinking, all I can think of is this going to be one huge mess when it falls off the wall, and I'm going to have to clean it up. And, you know, there's there's carpet, so it's going to be a huge mess in the carpet and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden, it started to crack a little bit more, and then it just sucked it back up, and it was gone. The crack was completely gone. And, I, I you know, I kind of was shocked, obviously. And I grabbed my purse and I ran out of the house, locked the house up and I ran out of the house and I drove away and didn't come back for several hours. Well, um, yeah, I think I'm going to end it there um, because I have some really creepy dorm room stories that I'll be getting next time. I just didn't want to, just didn't want to overload everyone with information and thanks for doing what you're doing and have a great day. Bye. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. It's a shame when you have a loved one that is really a malevolent presence. It's one of those things that's very hard to grasp for a lot of people where they're not playing the role that you ideally would like them to play. And unfortunately, instinctually in our mind, especially a parent, you keep going back and back and back and back and back and hoping that that parent will somehow change their ways and play that positive role and sometimes they just never do I lucked out and and my parents were good I I never had that but I know some folks who that was never the case and unfortunately even in death sometimes it sounds like they can still be a dark presence in one's life hopefully that can stop for you sometime soon 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Recently started to listen to your show and have subscribed. It's a great show to listen to. I listen almost daily on my commute to work and I like to share my story. This is about my parents' house in which they still reside. My parents built this house and it was not built on any burial ground or near a cemetery. This started when I was about 12 years old. My brother and I used to watch TV after school in the main TV room. There was a stereo unit located to the left of the television. The stereo cabinet had a glass door on it that would reflect the kitchen, which was located behind us. If you're watching TV, so if you're watching TV, you could just glance at the stereo glass cabinet and see if there was anyone behind you. On many occasions, I would see from my peripheral vision a shadow walk through the kitchen. I figured it was my mom, so I didn't think too much of it. After a few times of this happening on different occasions, I noticed that I didn't hear any sounds associated with this, like pans moving, cooking, opening the door to the garage, which is next to the kitchen, etc. So whenever I'd see a shadow, I'd look into the garage to see if my mom was doing laundry, but she wasn't. I'd go check in her bedroom, and she'd either be watching TV or napping. I'd also check just after seeing the shadow, which wouldn't allow her for time to go back to the bedroom, and I've already been lying down by the time I checked in. There was no one else that would have walked through. This kept happening for years, although there was never an eerie feeling I got from it. One morning, I woke up, and while still in bed, I saw a shadow walk into my dad's closet. I thought it was him getting ready to go fishing, but at the time, I noticed how quickly it moved into it. So I kept my eye on the closet so I could see him emerge from it, but he never did. 
finally got out of bed and walked over to check their bed their bedroom. They were both still very much asleep. My dad was never an early riser, so I know he couldn't have gotten out of bed and then gone back to bed again. Throughout the years, I've always told my mom that there was something in the house, but I never told her about these experiences. I just kept them to myself. As we grew older, other strange things would happen in the house. Once my parents were home alone, along with a guest, they were in the kitchen when they heard a lot of rustling in the garage. My father kept a lot of old parts, air conditioners, and equipment for work. They thought it was my brother who had come home and started washing his car. They figured he must have been looking for the supplies he needed. Some time had passed, and they noted that my brother had still not come in from washing the car. We were accustomed to coming in and saying hi to our parents so that they knew we were home. So my mother went out to open the garage door and check, and no one was there. The garage was closed. A while passed, and my brother did come home. My mom asked, did you come home and leave again? Nope, it's coming home now. There was yet another instance when I was about 22 years old. I was making some soup when again, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a shadow walk into the TV room. I figured it was my mom and followed it almost immediately because I had something pressing to tell her. I walked into the TV room and of course, no one was there. It was not too long after this incident that I finally again brought up the subject that there was something in the house. My brother was present. Then as I began telling my story to my parents about how I could see these shadows and the reflection of the glass pass by in the kitchen when I was a kid. Before I could explain the reflection of the shadows, my brother interrupted and said, The cabinet, right? The shadows? Yeah, you could see them walk. I was stunned. I never discussed this occurrence with anyone. There's still many, many strange and unexplained incidents in the house. The last one occurred just over a year ago. I'll write again and tell you the latest. Happy ghost telling. Amanda. Amanda, thank you for writing in and sharing your ghost story with us. It's interesting when siblings see the same things and it takes almost to adulthood for those to finally come to light because of the fear that the other sibling's going to think you're crazy. It's like, oh yeah, it's all going down. We had the same sort of paranormal stuff. Yeah. Somewhat comforting, I guess, to know that you weren't alone, but... Also, somewhat disturbing to know that indeed these things existed and you were not the only one seeing them. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to our show, Real Ghost Stories Online. Hey, Tony and Jenny. I'm listening to today's show and somebody uh, wrote in about Bigfoot being a ghost. And uh, the reason I actually brought this up uh, on the first story I called in about is because I had something, uh, something really... Bigfoot-like happened to me uh, on more than one occasion at the house I lived in on Noble in Akron, Ohio. And I'll tell you both uh, instances of what happened, and uh, you tell me what you think. And that's why I was kind of adamant to say what I said, that, uh, you know, don't discount or, uh, you know, just blanketly believe that Bigfoot is not a supernatural uh, occurrence. I was laying in bed. Me and my older brother shared a bed on uh, 339 Noble in Akron, Ohio. And uh, like I told you guys before, the house we lived in was very haunted. Uh, we heard things all the time. I heard people down in the basement. You know, a hand came through the ground. All kinds of crazy stuff happened here. But uh, this one night in particular, I woke up and uh, we had a box fan in our window. And I still sleep with the fan on every night because I got used to it as a child. But we uh, had a box fan in our window. And I woke up and I was on the bed with my brother and he was asleep. And I looked at the foot of the bed and uh, I could see 
something standing there, okay? It was, uh, I would say, the looks of it in the dark, it looked like it was at least six and a half foot tall. It was really big, and uh, I was overcome with extreme fear, okay? Uh, the thing that stood out to me about this entity was I could see its arms, I could see the, the light from outside shining through the window and through the, the blades of the fan, and I thought that this thing was covered with hair. And uh, yeah, I was born in 1980, so I grew up watching Hanna-Barbera He-Man. So for the rest of my life, I, I said this thing was Beastman from the He-Man show. But um, this thing was covered with hair, and it was breathing, like, very heavily. You could see it moving, just breathing. And it knew that I, I could see it. Uh, and it was just standing there, maybe about four feet, five feet away from my bed. And it was standing up, and its head was coming like t it was bending with the ceiling like it was looking down at me that's how tall this thing was and i looked at the, the arm and once i looked at the arm the arm looked like it was about 12 inches wide and it had what looked like brown or orange hair and you could see the light shining off of it it looked kind of like the muscle that you see like on a lion how the lion's covered with hair but you could see the muscle tone this thing was like that. So I immediately jumped under the cover uh, and, and buried myself under my older brother. And uh, that was one night. Now, another night that I saw something similar, which I can only say is probably the same thing. Uh, we were, I was in my dad's guest room in my mom and dad's house. And my dad was getting ready to go up into the attic. It's one of those rooms, like a bedroom, but you open up a door and you can go up into the attic. He was getting ready to go up into the attic and I was playing around in the room. And uh, when he opened the door and started going up, I walked to the bottom of the stairs and I looked up and he was startled by me screaming. I screamed out loud because there was something standing up in the attic. It was the same thing, but it was more bright though. Uh, I could make out more of its details. It was standing at, like at the top of the stairs, but it was so tall, it was leaning over the middle of the stairway. So it, it was looking right down at me. It was like growling uh, at me. And uh, this thing was so big, I thought I was going to pick my dad up. I thought I was going to pick, it up, pick him up and, and maybe eat him, you know, the mind of a child. And my dad is a no-nonsense person. Uh, he really is. He really got mad at me uh, for making, uh, you know, such a fuss. But I, I was screaming and telling him that that thing was right there and he was not able to see it. Uh, but it was on the top of the stairs. It was covered with hair. It had a hairy face. The hair on his face was probably about six inches long, it looked like. I can make out, you know, humanoid-type features, but it looked like it was extremely... It looked it looked very mad, and the feeling I got from this thing was like pure evil. So I don't know. Um, you know, if, if you guys would consider that a ghost type of apparition. I, I myself, know about cryptozoology and, and the study of things that are, you know, lost animals or animals that are supposedly extinct or things that we didn't think existed. And so as a child, I really looked into Bigfoot and Nessie and all that stuff and UFOs, the whole, the whole thing. But it kind of threw me off the fact that I saw this thing inside the house. And so that's my story of uh, Bigfoot. It seems like today's episode was basically taught me to tell my story. Uh, so you guys let me know what you think about that. It was inside the house. It was at the foot of the bed, standing in the window, uh, just looking at me inside the room. And uh, it was upstairs in the attic looking down. My dad wasn't able to see it. So this is the Beastly Gamer from YouTube. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. All right. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. Uh, it really, I, in my opinion, it could be you know one of two things. It could have very well been some sort of thing that only you can see. Uh, because you're more sensitive to those sort of uh, apparitions, for lack of a better term. And, and it's interesting that your dad did not see it, um, but that is a common occurrence with you know one seeing something, the other not seeing it. Uh, you know, it could also be childhood imagination really getting out of control. 
It really could. I mean, for example, when I, uh, you know, I said the story before, after I'd watched Thriller uh, about 20 times in the course of one day, and I was about 10 years old, uh, I swear to God, I saw zombies walking around my house. And now I, I don't write that off as being a paranormal experience because I don't think it was. I think it was a very overactive imagination. And I think as children, I think there's more power there to almost project or hallucinate, if you will, um, than there is uh, to the mind of a adult in most cases. Um, I, I just I think things are, are more out of balance. There's more, you know, things are not firing quite right yet as a child. Um, so I think the ability to hallucinate is uh, is there uh, more as a child than there is for an adult. Um, so I could also see it being something like that. Because I, I too can vividly remember seeing what looked like essentially Michael Jackson standing outside my bedroom. And that's a creepy enough thought, you know, that there's Michael Jackson standing outside a 10-year-old's bedroom uh, dressed as a zombie. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I, to this day, in my mind's eye, can picture exactly what I saw. Um, but again, I know it was my imagination getting out of control. There were not zombies in my house. So I don't know. Uh Again, it's one of those subjects where it's very relative. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, it's all about a matter of an opinion. So I I could see it being either one. But I, I, I truly obviously believe that, you know, you believe what you saw. And that, you know, that reality to you was very, very scary. Was it paranormal? Could have been. Was it Could have been something in your imagination? Could have been. There's really no way of ever knowing, but thank you for calling in and sharing. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jen. This is Anne, and um, I will try to tell it fast so I don't get cut off here. I um, was 49 years old. Uh, my kids had married and moved away, and, and so I moved in with my sister into this big house on the east side of St. Paul. And I had uh, three, well, four stories out in the basement, and that's where the laundries were. And I lived in the attic, this huge, really cool, cool attic. And I was up there one day getting my laundry ready to go down the three flights of stairs to the laundry area. And I, being walked up to me, it was just like a person, but my eyes didn't see anything. After all the years of all the experiences I've had, it, you know, didn't scare me or anything. I just kind of stood there and looked and waited for some kind of contact, nothing. So I just said, well, welcome to my world and continued on with my laundry. And it stayed right by me for about an hour. And that was the end of that. And fast forward four months. I'm trying to go really fast here. Four months uh, later, I had come home. My sister asked me to make some muffins that day. So I walked into her kitchen on the second floor. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. And it was really bright afternoon sunshine coming in from the dining room window through the 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 uh, you know the door that joined the kitchen and the dining room into the kitchen onto the counter where I was standing, and so I turned around to put my bags on the counter, and a shadow came into the sunlight and blocked up the sunlight, and I could see that you know see it move in like someone was peeking around the door to see who was here, and I I, I knew no one was supposed to be there, but I thought well maybe the roommate's hours got changed, maybe he's here. I turned around to say hi, and there was this being that was um, a color black that I cannot even describe. I've never seen a color black like this. I call him Onyx Man because the closest thing I can 
you know, he looked like an, an onyx stone. He didn't like reflect everything in the room, though. He was like this being, solid being. He, the sun did not shine through him. I could not see the bright sunshine behind him that he was blocking out. He was solid. His head was like 10 inches long and 4 inches wide. It was bizarre, and he was really thin. His arms were probably two or three inches around. He was really tall and thin. He had to be about eight feet tall. He was coming out of the door jam, just up into the kitchen. And he was looking at me, and we're looking at each other, and I am just like, what? I, I'm, I can't even process what I'm seeing. And it says to me, it, it, telepathy, your life is in danger. Go see your doctor. And then it liquided away, like liquid, it being absorbed like super fast. And I was just stunned. I turned around and I was like, I was just stunned. Um, I did make an appointment with my doctor. I didn't, I was singing in a rock band. I was working full time. I was rocking up three and four flights of stairs to my laundry. I had no symptoms of anything. I did have some asthma. I was diabetic, but I was not having any issues with that. I was in pretty good shape. Um, and, but I went to my doctor and, and I told her I was having asthma, something asthma related. And she said, well, let's do a stress test. So they did a stress test and we found out that my heart was shutting down 97% upon exertion. And two days later, I had a, uh, I laid down for a quadruple bypass. My three main coronary arteries were 100% blocked. And I don't know how I was alive. My heart was growing new veins and rerouting itself, which is probably the only reason I was alive. But there's only so much of that that can save you, too. So this thing saved my life. And here's what I think. I think that these beings, um, A, there should be two categories, shadow people and onyx men. And... And I think that they have personalities that vary as much as, as us. Um... I think they range from evil to good. I, I don't know. And everything in between. That's... Why else would this thing save me? I mean, I believe in Jesus all day, you know, and, and there's nothing that's going to change that. And it had to have known that if it knew anything about me. So uh, that's my story. And I hope that people will, it will help with some fear. Don't automatically be afraid because it's black. You know, that's... So thank you, and um, I love your show, still listening, and um, I will call with more stories at some point. Thanks. Bye. That's a very interesting one where the entity that uh, did appear to be somewhat dark actually did some good. Thank you for calling and sharing. We really do appreciate that. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call in with your real ghost story. And if you're not an EPP yet... This is a way you can help support the show. It really, really does help us stay alive and allows us to keep doing the show because without your support and without getting enough of you guys on board as EPPs, we couldn't financially continue to just keep putting the show out there at the rate that we're doing um, and uh, and continue to release it. As the show grows, uh, so do our costs uh, with bandwidth, uh, with uh, you know production costs. There's a lot that goes into the, the show. I, I could give you an itemized bill if you'd like, but I, I don't want to bore you with that. Um, anyway, it's costly, to say the least. So a $5 donation, if we get enough of you guys on board to help out with that, we can continue to do this show. Um, it's 5 bucks a month, or you can do 10 or you can do 15 
I, I just say whatever you feel the show is worth to you and whatever you can do financially. If you enjoy the show, throw a little bit into the kitty there. By giving you an extra episode of the show that we send out via email every single week just to our EPPs, okay? And uh, you get the, the knowledge of knowing that you are really helping support, keep this community alive, and, uh, and keep this show going. So please, uh, please do check that out. You can become an EPP through the website of realghoststoriesonline.com. Hey, uh, letter here. Hey, Tony and Jenny, the story takes place when I was around eight years old. I'm the youngest of four kids. My mother, older brother, sister, and I moved into a cute three-bedroom house. I was young at the time and just loved the feeling that we were somewhere new. Well, everyone was, was in the kitchen unpacking, my grandmother walked into the house looking puzzled. She asked, Where's the old woman? My mom looked at her and then around the house. My grandma said when she opened the door, the old woman was sitting on a chair in the kitchen with her glasses to the tip of her nose, looking quite happy. My mom shrugged it off, thinking nothing of it. A little while later, my brother's friend stopped over to see a new house and helped us unpack some more things, and he came into the house looking puzzled, just like my grandma, and said, Where's your grandma? My brother looked at him weird because she hadn't been in the house at all that day. He said she was looking at him through the front window while he came up the driveway. Us kids slowly started to notice some unusual things going on. It wasn't a bad feeling, just that a presence was there with us. My brother worked at a bar late night, and he would always come home around 4 or 5 in the morning. Because I was younger, I liked to sleep with Nickelodeon radio on at night, particularly because it had a light on it. Every night I would hear footsteps that would start from the kitchen to the hallway and would stop in my bedroom like someone was watching me. I remember I would be so afraid to look, but my curiosity made me look. It would always turn off my radio after I, uh, I... It would always turn off my radio after I mustered up the courage to fall back asleep. When I tried to tell my mom about these footsteps, she would tell me that it was just my brother coming home from work and that there was nothing in the house. My mom, a few months later, found that there was an older woman who owned the house that died before we moved in. Her name was Bessie. She wasn't at all evil or there to harm us. It almost felt like she was watching over the family. A few years of living there, we all of a sudden would get mail with her name on it. It had been in our family up until a few years ago. I'm 27 now, and when I owned the house, I would still get mail with her name on it. Sorry for the long story. I absolutely love the show. Both you and Jenny's voices are so soothing to listen to. Anonymous. Thank you for writing in. We do appreciate that story. That's a good story. It's interesting. It makes me makes me think of my grandma and that house that um, that's now up for sale. My grandpa passed on, as you know, uh, if you listen to the show regularly earlier in the year. And my grandma had passed on uh, a couple years back. And I always kind of wonder, you know, is she going around that house at all? There's no one in it. You know, I, if I was closer by and they're in Wisconsin and I'm physically in Kansas, so it's not like I can just kind of go over and hang out and walk around. But I, don't, I think I would have that feeling, whether it's just to be in my head or not, I don't know. I think I would have a feeling walking around that house. When I walked through it in spring, they were clearing out a lot of the stuff and furniture and people were taking this and that. And I don't know. Although the house was empty, it still felt like I was at Grandma and Grandpa's. Still that, that presence, that warm presence. Probably completely psychological, but nonetheless. Our phone number is 855-853-4802 to call in with your real 
ghost stories. Of course, you could also write into the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you're not an EPP yet, an extra podcast person, please become one. Five bucks a month. You support the show. You keep the show going. And uh, we uh, thank you with uh, giving you an extra episode emailed exclusively to our EPPs every single weekend. So uh, if you've uh, already signed up to be one uh, since the weekend, your EPP email, your first one with all those episodes will be coming to you this coming weekend. They go out either Saturday or Sunday. So uh, that's how that works. Thank you if you already are an EPP. We greatly appreciate your support. Could not be continuing the show without you. All that info is on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Jenny Bruski be back again tomorrow night with us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. So for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you again for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.